Hey everyone, and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse, the DC Comics podcast from Mail Fuzz TV. I am Peter, and I am joined, as always, by Matt. Hey, what's up? Not here this week is Connor. Ginger Menace. He is a Ginger Menace. Uh, work called him in once again. This is the second week three he's missed, by the way. Uh, I was just lamenting to Matt that this is the second month in a row I've had to talk about Aquaman on my own, because he's decided to do extra work. Well, I say he. Yeah. His boss decided that he should do extra work. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, so, just the two of us this week, uh, obviously talking about DC Comics, and coming up on this week's show, we have the next Metal one-shot in Batman the Drown number one. We got Batman 33, Superman 33, Green Lanterns 33, Green Arrow 33, Nightwing 31, Titan 16 on a week three, because... I guess Booth was behind on his art list last month. Yeah. Uh, Batwoman number eight, Super Sons number nine, and finally Aquaman number twenty nine. So that is what's coming up on this week's show. Matt. Yep. How are you? You have you been good? You you feeling well? Yeah, yeah. We got Connor Kent being established in continuity somehow, and then there's the previews uh, for the the Batman of Tomorrow story. And we got the crossover that uh-huh. name dropped Connor Kent. Bart Allen and Cassie Sandsmark. So, oh, I didn't see this. Was... What was this? Oh yeah, uh, one of our uh, our fans or uh, supporters, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> hit me up on jo- Twitter. Joe, jo- I like that. I like that you said fans yeah. and you went. Oh, I didn't feel right. I feel I feel yeah. dushy. No, not fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the people that follow us. Yeah, viewers. There we go. Hit me up on Twitter, and I don't want to get my phone out right now to to double check, but. Uh, yeah, there was a, a preview that came out, and so definitely we know Batman of Tomorrow is about this rogue Tim Drake from Days of Future Bats, and his <laughs> Titans come come to this earth, and hey, if that's as close as I'm going to get uh, right now, I'm going to take that as a win. I, th- I think this is your your hold, this is your little sort of, uh, you know, it's just to hold you over until the, the meet later on. Uh, well, I mean, then next month we get I get Johns and Frank, who's like my favorite creative team, you know, on on a massive book. So all things are coming up Millhouse right now. <laughs> yeah, this is about as massive as you get. Apparently, DC are telling retailers to, uh, yeah, this is going to be important. Order more. <laughs> yeah. Which apparently they never do. So very that's a Marvel thing to do, but they're saying well, no Doomsday Clock. Order more. That that said, uh, there's this you know at the other company. There was a, a special 700 issue that came out this week, and uh, mm. my shop never does this, but there was a really cool Adam Hughes variant, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to check that out. Let's see how much it is. Uh, yeah, one in 100. Uh, $225 my shop had it for. So, <laughs> yeah. Not, I was just saying, I'm admire it in digital form, not in, uh, <laughs> not in physical. $25. But, because it was weird seeing that many issues of, of Thor at my shop, because usually it's just me and a couple other people, but they really wanted that variant, so, yeah. uh, That's how Marvel tricks them, they, they say, oh, you have to order X amount to get this variant, yep. and that's why yep. they're charging $200 for it, because they have to order 50 books to get it. <laughs> Uh, not not to be outdone, I had a friend that he's like the only person reading. Uh, oh, what's what's that company? It's where like XO is. Oh, uh, uh, Valiant. Valiant, and to get a special variant, he had to order like twelve of the same book, and his wife had to know why he had twelve versions of the same book so he could <laughs> get this variant. Yeah, good I, I, times. Do, do you know what? Often when you hear wives being angry at you know 
their husbands yeah. buying stupid shit. You know, I usually sympathise with the husband, but on this occasion, I'm on the wife's side. Yep. So, so yeah. But between Doomsday Clock and and Thor Seven Hundred and you know Connor Kent, it, it's I'm very happy with comics right now. You're, you're in a happy mood. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I, I, I'm still busy. It's October. You know, lots of horror movies for streams after midnight. Meantime, I've been yep. jump, you know pumping them out. Uh, done half of our top one hundred. We get the first two parts of that up, so you can go yep. check that out. Um, DC shows are back, and. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow in particular has become, it's like, it's so self-aware of how stupid it is that it's become an infinitely better show. Uh, it, 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 it was doing that over season two, but it's the first couple episodes of season three, even more so. Like, just, yeah. We're it makes me want to check it out, because that's how I ended up loving Booster Gold, is like, they were aware of how dumb this character was, mm. that they did fun things with him. And now it sounds like that's what they're doing with Legion. Yeah, legends. Yeah, legends. Look at you. Little slip there. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah they, in the first episode last week, they came up with a model for themselves, which was uh, we screw up for the better, and that's kind of the thing. They're basically admitting, yeah, we're a bunch of losers who always fail, but you know, sometimes we stumble into success. Huh? It's okay. It's a thing. Yeah. How's uh, uh, how's Arrow holding up? I know you checked that out. I've not watched this week's show, but yes, I did go back and watch the first one, the premiere. Uh, <laughs> Sound like you regret it. Kind of, yeah. Kind yeah, of. Sorry, I'm. I still haven't finished Supergirl from last year, so I'm. I'm that far behind. I've two episodes left. And, uh, I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm enjoying Supergirl. Yeah, so that's what I've heard. I'm enjoying the, the last part of the season, going through. But the middle, uh, the middle I'll, was I'll rough. The middle se- uh, season two was rough with the Monel romance. That was tedious. Yep. But um, yeah, the, the last one I watched involved Alex being taken, and that was a pretty good episode. Nice. By the numbers, CW show. Yeah. Know. Oh yeah, that was, good, that, that was a good episode. Yeah, I remember that one. That one was the yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so so I'm behind on Flash as well. But I'll get caught up. That that's the great thing about the way cable companies have been is now they each have their own app. So as long as you're never more than a month out, you can catch up on your own pace. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so, uh, so 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 yeah, busy busy week. Uh, it's basically. My, my, my point. Anyway, so before we get to the books itself, uh, Solicit Swirl this week. Now, I don't have any descriptions uh, for anything this. I just wanted to point out, because uh, January's a week five month, so I just wanted to point out the annuals that we're getting uh, come January, and uh, a new one-shot that we're getting. Uh, also, remember, January's when the terrific starts, so, you know. I'm excited. Mark mark your dates. Um, mark your calendars, I should have said. Uh, anyway, yeah. so in terms of annuals uh, in January, we're getting the Flash annual number one, which we knew about. That's going to be the start of the whole uh, the, the War the of Flash the Flashes. War. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're also getting a Deathstroke annual, and we're getting a Detective Comics annual in January. So, what's the oh. annuals? Uh, also, remember how in November we're getting Mystic U number one? Uh, yes, and that's a prestige book, you know, twice the size every two months. Well, it just so happens yeah. that that falls in a fifth week again in January. So that's Convenient. Cool. Give me, give me something to read on the fifth week when yeah. normally I don't have much, and that's the DC Hogwarts book, basically, right? Like, yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah I'm in. So, so Connor's foaming at the mouth. Yeah. So that's the thing. Uh, so yeah, the one thing, the one real main thing to actually t- talk about is the fact that there's another metal one shot coming in February. Yeah, it's it's a Van Solicited. Uh, it's coming in yep. Valentine's Day, uh, but it's called Dark Knights Rising: The Wild Hunt Number One. It's written by Scott Snyder, James Tenney in the fourth, and Joshua Williamson. Uh, oh, three for three. I, I like, so it's good. Uh, and then the art is by Doug Mankey, 
Ivan Reese and others. So they're still figuring that out. But uh, that, uh, that that title has, has me uh, curious. Well, do you want to know what it's about? There's a, there's a description. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so, so it's obviously it's a, a tie-in issue. Uh, it's a it's a bit longer. It's, it's a forty-page book, and it is basically the, the the weird team of Flash, Cyborg, Raven, and Detective Chimp trying to find the Metal Men. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, obviously, you, you may be going, "Oh, another another tie-in," but to be fair, all the other one-shots and tie-ins that we have for Metal will all be done by that point. This is mm-hmm. this is late game. This is like issue five of Metal's out that month, I think. So, uh, almost sounds like a side job, you know, like yeah, you know, like, like it won't be pertinent to what's going on in Metal, but it's the Metal Man. I'm going to read it. Oh, so, I'm going to read it, but yeah, you know. Oh, I just mean even even if I didn't do the show, that's something I would check out. But especially with that team of Cyborg and Raven, like it's it, Teen Titan vibes, and you throw in Flash in there, and Chimp, and Vin Detective Chip, like <laughs> what the heck? Why not? Don't forget old Bobo. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that's that's all I wanted to point out. Obviously, there was some part ones and stuff, but um, nothing that screamed uh, we need to talk about this. So. So yeah, okay. The books. Let's talk about books. Uh, so first up this week, uh, we have Batman the Drown number one, which is the fourth one shot, the Evil Batman one shots. Uh, Dan Abnett writing, uh, which makes sense because they've been kind of doing it so that it pairs up with who's writing the the related yeah. book. So he's writing, and we've got Tyler Kirkham and Philip Tan on art. Uh, so. I thought this was okay. Not great, not not good particularly, but not bad. I, it was just kind of the formula that we've had for the past Remember couple. Remember when I got upset over Red Death? <laughs> yeah, I did recall. <laughs> yeah. And it was completely uh, uh, based on raw information as well, might I add. Yeah, exactly. I mean, little did I realize that would set the tone and the formula, and then how little... When, when you don't do anything as interesting with it, it kind of hurts it, and I feel like the drowned. So this is like I don't, I didn't like it. I mean, trying to put this. Dawnbreaker is still least bottom barrel of the the tie-ins. This one's only slightly more, just because it it didn't live up to what I wanted it to be, and that's probably more on me than on Abner. I mean, the team, I, I don't think it's a bad comic necessarily. It's just kind of like yeah, it's just the kind of same formula. We find out yeah. the origin of this dark Batman or Batwoman in this case because it's a Brace Wayne, and Oof. and she we you know we find out the origin of her world on Earth negative eleven, and then you know she, she she's going to win. She's about to beat Aquaman, and then oh no, Doctor Fate's logo shows up and takes him away, yep. which is fine. But we've seen it like five times now, so yep. uh, it's okay. It's like I think the first two one shots were really good. I liked Red Death and I liked uh, Murder yep. Machine. Murder Machine. Uh, those were mm-hmm. really good. Um, I'm curious to see if any of these actually shake things up. I assume Batman Who Laughs will. That'll be different because yeah. he's the one who's showing up to collect them all, so his must be an interesting story. But, yeah. uh, you know, will the Wonder Woman one next week, will that be interesting? I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. But and, and here, the the fact that it was a gender-swapped uh, Batman, Batwoman, and it was Bryce Wayne, mm. I felt as what they did to make it different because had they done this with the Wonder Woman, it would have been expected. So let's do it with Aquaman instead. And then how they make Batwoman into Aquaman, I thought was weird. Like, it's a lot of dark experiments and... I kind of I like that and I kind of... Like, because basically what it is, is in her world, 
She she avenged her lover, right? She avenged her lover, but then <laughs> Sylvester Wayne or Sylvester Kyle, which Sylvester cracked Kyle. me up. Not just because it was an S name to go Selena, but Sylvester's the Looney Tune cat, so I thought that was a nice little yeah, a little on the nose, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah. But then Aquaman and Atlantis shows up, and basically Batwoman goes on this one one woman and mission to like no these these are vicious Atlanteans we can't trust them yep. and then by killing Aqua women because you know obviously everyone, everyone is gender swapped and uh, it starts a war which ends up you know everyone's like getting drowned and all the rest of it so t- in order to fight better against Atlanteans she experiments with metas and fish DNA to let herself yeah. breathe underwater and so on I kind of like those pages though because it was kind of like it was like a demented uh, cyberpunk sci-fi kind of story where yeah. we, we, she's you know she's in this sort of dark dungeon kind of like makeshift laboratory with the the, the the chair and all the rest of it. I kind of like the, the the art style which, there. Yeah, which I didn't expect with the Aquaman theme, you know, hmm. like. But I don't know what else you do to make Batman into Aquaman. Like it's one of those weird things. Uh, it's the kind of thing where you, you've got this blanket idea of all these evil Batman who are kind of yeah. like merged with other characters, and I think some of them are like, oh, I've got some good ideas for these three or four, but what about the other three or four? Oh, well, just kind of do it and see what works. Yeah. And it kind of works, it's fine, it's just not that... Yeah. That shit um, doesn't amount to much, because it's basically just, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's uh, the drowned coming to Amnesty Bay, like the other evil Batman have went to the right. respective cities and stuff, and drowning it, and Mira and Aquaman shop. The one thing I do like about this issue, though, the one interesting thing that I do think is quite cool, is that they've tied it into what Abnet has been doing on Aquaman since even before Rebirth with the uh, the Dead War, the the Monster yeah. War. Because uh, in one of the arts, we kind of track it, and it comes from another place, and it, you know it seems to be coming from the the Dark Multiverse. That's actually quite cool. I like that idea. Yeah, I like that idea as well. Uh, the the one thing I did like too is the the relationship with the light. Like so, to become this twisted version of of Aqua woman batman basically she had to flee from the light and so the lights become the enemy because mm. she has to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and that's how the batman who laughs gets her by saying he's like we need to shut off the light in amnesty bay and nobody gets a second chance because second chances are overrated so that was the one one story thread that i really enjoyed but other than that yeah, it was pretty baseline i mean the art was fine yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I don't regret reading that. It was like it was fine, and like okay, I got, I got my dose of metal this week, but it, it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily exciting or anything else. It was just kind of what it was. Um, I've also picked up on a on a greater theme of these Dark Knight books. It all seems to be about Bruce or a version of Bruce dealing with loss, because the Red Death had him losing the Robins, uh, Murder Machine had him losing Alfred. Dawnbreaker had him losing his parents, and this one losing, you know, Sylvester or Selena. So that sets, you know, with the Merciless and the Devastator coming up, what are the losses going to be there? Because I don't see them deviating from this formula. Yeah, no, I think that'll be considered. And to be fair, that ties into Batman himself anyway. Like, yeah. you know, the loss of his parents is kind of <laughs> kind of the thing. <laughs> that's what that's what. Well, it yeah, and it's and it's how he or she deals with that loss, and with you know with the Robins, it made him want to get the Speed Force. Because if he could be everywhere at once, so, you know. Am I, am, do you think I'm wrong in assuming that the Devastator one, he becomes a doomsday to fight Superman? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that's, that's what it's going to be. And, and so I feel like his, because from what Connor was saying, is Superman goes rogue, and that's how he brings in goes to bring in Superman. 
So I feel like that that one's going to be about the loss of Superman and what Superman stands for. Yeah, because because yeah. they are complements to each other, and they always work better that way. When yeah, the, the idea that if Superman somehow went dark, it would drive yeah. Batman to a bad place as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice idea. If that's what they do with it, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and so with Batman who laughs, which is set up to be the last one, I feel like it's it's when Bruce finally loses himself in the sense of himself. Like if he fully gave in to the mania that is Batman, he is no better than Joker. Well, yeah, remember, I, I, I was guessing it was Batman who kills Joker at the end of Killing Joke. That would be Batman right. losing himself. So, right. Yeah. So that that led with the Merciless. I don't know how to tie that into Wonder Woman. Uh, but I so far, the, the one key figure that we've had that was close to him that we haven't really touched on the loss is one of the Gordons, either mm. Jim or Barbara. So oh, we'll see bit. next week uh, if, if that's what it is. I mean, it's a little bit weak. But I don't know what else with the theme of loss. I was going here. to say Selena, but technically I guess Sylvester yeah. is Selena adjacent. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And we can't really do Gotham because he loses Gotham in each of these. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we, we've seen that. So, yeah. So I, I like how they're tying with that theme, but the formula, I'm a little bit just... Over yeah. the right last now. couple of years, I like this one more than last last week's just because yes, you know yes. last week's had the oh and he just takes out the Green Lantern Corps that easily, uh, whereas th- yeah. this one like oh yeah so it, sure it, she takes over the world but it was kind of like you know you, you get the sense of time passing as she modifies her body and deforms yeah. it and you know kind of things so I, I like the horror element there and I like the dead water tie into what Aquaman's had in the past but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the formula is a bit just kind of okay, right? This is exactly how I thought it'd play out now because we've had yep. a few of them. So there you go. That, that's uh, that's the drone. Obviously, we've got the merciless next week. Uh, we also have the start of the next crossover next week. The Justice League yeah. one uh, starts with the Flash next week. So, uh, so we've got two metal related books next week. So look forward to that. Uh, so next up, we have Batman thirty three. Tom King writing Joel Jones, uh, who delighted. I I. I I know she's writing some of the, the one of the arcs coming up, like in like mm-hmm. December, January. Um, but I I didn't realize she was writing one so soon as well. So when I saw that name, I was like, oh. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. My friend at the shop goes, hey, did you check out who's the artist on Batman? I was like, no, not yet. They're like, Joel Jones. I was like, okay, well, can, I already had a bot. But I, I don't like, know how many virgins King sacrificed to get all the artists that yeah. he does, but he, he sacrificed someone to something. <laughs> And we've already seen Jones' art in DC with Supergirl being super. Yeah, we love that book. We love that. Um, oh, perfect. That's I once that comes out in in you know trade, it's it's going on to my Superman shelf of, of best. Should stories. be a deluxe. They should, shouldn't skimp on that. Nice big deluxe no. cover for it. And so here, seeing Jones draw all the Batman characters and the so so we see the Robins and, and I'm not trying to jump ahead, but. And each of them not just has a color scheme to them. They're all in polo shirts, which I love. It's all polo shirts. They're all in polo shirts, but they all just down to their body language are all completely different. And it's like it's it's an artist on Jones's level that can do that and differentiate between characters without them having to talk. Like you instantly know which one's Dick and which one's uh, Damien. Well, of course the age, but. The one that you could get lost yeah. in is Jason and Dick. Yeah, J- you know? Jason wasn't as super obvious for the first panel, but then it became cre- yeah. clear fairly quickly afterwards. Yeah. Um, if I have any, if I if I have one complaint about the art, is that maybe mm-hmm. Damien looks a little bit older than he should. 
Yeah. But that, that's a bit, that's a bit, I mean, it's a small nitpick to me, yeah. but it's... But, but with the writing, though, it fills that right in. Yeah. Because when we get to, to what happens there, and it makes sense he would react in that way, because so, he's a volatile teenager. So, now, obviously we have Batman and Catwoman in the desert. They're, they're, they're going to uh, Kadim to, to find something. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're, you know, and there's this sort of moment at the start where uh, they've, they've both got horses, but one of them needs to be put down. And mm-hmm. Catwoman like takes a shotgun and like you know it's just a very cinematic moment where it goes to that big wide two page spread of you know yep. you know it's like it's like all the build up to her shooting it in the head and they're sort of saying oh the, the horse deserves better so this is a shame yeah and yeah. then it goes to that two page spread for the actual gunshot and then it goes back and it's, it's all they're all quiet but I just want to point out how much I actually love uh, you know desert outfit Catwoman yeah well even Batman like. No, Batman's okay. We've seen kind of desert Batman before, though. Whereas... We've seen that before, and even in, in Batman vs. Superman, I hated it because it looked like with Snyder stylings, it was just too much. But mm. here, with Jones, it, every, it's still Batman, but it's like, again, it's like, you remember in the 90s, they had the action figures, and there were all the different Batmans that we'd never seen on, like, the animated series or even in comics. You know, they would have, like, Gladiator Batman. I feel like Desert Operation Batman would have been one of those toys. Like I would have had to have. I think Desert Catwoman works because a lot of it's just a regular sort of desert outfit. But then, yeah. her, her cowl that she's got on is very reminiscent of like what you know pilots used to wear. You know the, the little yeah. kind of I don't even know what you call them. But no, so I, I mean, any <laughs> yeah, any picture you've seen of Amelia Earhart, she yeah. won one. Yeah, one it's of like those. A, yeah, it, it, it's like a beanie, like a leather beanie with a strap on it. Yeah. Like, but then she's got her goggles on top of it, like she usually does with mm-hmm. her, her regular suit. But yep. in the desert, her goggles make a lot of sense because you'd want to have goggles to cover your eyes. Sand. So it just it, it makes sense practically, but it just looks kind of cool. Like it actually really fits her yeah. her look. Well, um, and then when she brings out the whip, like, oh, I love that page. It's a great I, page. I got Indiana Jones vibes from the time this started because they're riding the horses through the desert and the sun's setting, and you have that two-page spread, and it's just their silhouette against the sun she, and the dunes. She's going to... Like, uh, again, Jones is very good with building up the uh, the momentum of the scene, because you know, the, the whip comes down, it's like over like three panels as it like extends, and, and you, you see what it is. And you can feel when it drops behind her, she reaches up yeah. behind her to grab it, and then it drops in the frame. And you it, can feel the motion. Like, it's fantastic. And also very expressive. I love, like, she goes up to the big... Because there's a bodyguard where they're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went to see Tiger. massive. Went to see yeah. Tiger to get get to this place. And uh, yeah. this big bodyguard's there. He's like, no, I've been appointed to the Justice League. I'm not letting anyone in. And Cat was like, oh, can I? And she's like... Batman's like, yeah, fine, be nice. So basically she wants to fight. And he's like, okay, you right. can have the fight. But, you know, mm-hmm. don't overdo it. Um... And it's just it's, 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 it's that that panel of her looking up at him. It's kind of adorable, but you know she's about to mess with him. So she's going to mess him yep. up. She's going to win. There's no way he's, he's coming out on yeah. this on top. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it's just uh, really good. All, all that stuff in the desert looks great. So you've got them in the desert uh, looking for something, and we'll sort of save what they're looking for till the end. Yeah. And the other side of the book, you've got all the Robins and Wayne Manor and their polo shots, as mentioned. Uh, and they're just kind of bantering, uh, messing with the dog. Jason's like can't get the dog, you know, Ace to do anything. But then Alfred walks uh, in, gives it one command, and it just does what he wants. The return of Ace, the bad hound. I love it. Yeah. As much as I love Titus, that story King told him the the annual of it's one of my favorite stories of the past year. And so to see, of course, Jason's the one fighting with the dog because the dog looks like stole his coat. Like pretty hilarious. Yeah. 
So you've got all the Robins, and then Alfred comes in, and he gets a phone call from Superman uh, about right. about what Batman's doing. They, they, they don't seem to know it's Batman that's doing it, but it's like, oh, someone's uh, broke into this secure yeah. location we set up in, in the desert. Oh, so, uh, what's going on? And Alfred's like, ah, yeah, yeah, he's not here at the moment, blah, blah, blah. But he hangs up the phone, and he's like, Right, and I love that there's this page where the Robins all guess what's going on. Oh, let me guess, mm-hmm. Batman had a secret from everyone, and now everyone's in danger. Oh, that sounds about right. And then the next page is Alfred. It's, it's probably the best page in the book. Even Not not in a flashy way, just in the... Alfred at the top of the page says, uh, Master Wayne proposed to Miss Kyle. She accepted. Uh-huh. And then the two reaction shots of all four Robins just kind of... And the dog. The dog reacted yep. as well as the best part. And right. they're all just like... He did what? You know, say that again. And obviously, Duke's there, and I love the the banter with Duke as well. Uh, after this, where he's like, I think it's uh, Jason's like, Duke, this is you're supposed to cheer him up. You're the Robin. He's like, Hey, yeah. coming from you, who like died and came back to life. No, no, no. Yeah. And besides, I'm not even Robin. He's Robin. Like, just... he, yeah. And then you see Damien taking all this in, mm. who's just kind of shell shocked by it all. Yeah, so. da- Damien takes it hard. In fact, that, probably the funniest moment in the book is when Damien mm-hmm. starts breaking down and crying and Alfred's got him. Yep. And I, I don't know which one of them says it, but, but one of the other Robins says, oh God, he's crying, he's we're all going to yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure it's Duke, but... Yeah. I think it's Duke. I can't remember who which one it was, but it, it really cracked me up. And the funny thing yeah. is, this is the time... Like, Duke's not really attached to me. I'm not really attached to him that much yet. But whenever King writes him in the group with all the other Robins, he fits it really works. well. Yeah. So, Definitely. good, good on that. Um, but Damien basically, because he heard where where things were going down, he's like, "Oh, I know, I know what he's looking for. I know why he's there. The, who they've got trapped there. The, the, the Justice League have got someone in prison, basically, in the desert. Yeah. Uh, and it's Talia Al Ghul. Uh, and that's that's where we end our cliffhanger. Is uh, Talia is getting ready to go get her swords. So, um, oh, do you I, think that they have to go because they have to get Bruce and Talia's? Wedding or, or marriage annulled. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like we're. It looks like it's gonna be like this globe altering event, but no, it's it's a personal errand. And and the fact like the stakes are raised when Superman calls Alfred, and he goes, "No, the reason I'm calling you, Alfred, is because Bruce isn't answering, and he would need. To, he's the only one that has it. So we know it's him. I just I. I love that because it's something that like if this is all Vanessa continuity with Damien that she's been you know brought back like he was so of course they would keep tabs on her mm. but yeah and I wonder wonder how that's going to play in with all of the Ra's al Ghul stuff we saw in tech I like how uh, I, I, like, I like how Catwoman came with him like she didn't she didn't let him go on his own and I don't know like I don't know if it's mistrust or she's like no I want to I want to look this bitch in the eye <laughs> Yeah, well, she's thing. a master thief, and she stole his heart, and she's gonna wave oh. it in front of Talia. Look at look at that you turn know? a little phrase there, Matt. You got very romantic there for a second. I, I have my moments. The master thief that stole the bat's heart. Yeah, she is. That's it. So, and it's weird because we've seen so many other characters be that girlfriend figure to Batman, whether it was what, Silver Saint Cloud in the past, in in uh, Vicky Vale. But and none of them stuck, but Talia and Catwoman, to which like those are the two love interests really in Dark Knight Rises, you know. So I think it's interesting. The, 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 the true. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I like this issue quite a bit. Obviously, it was a different change of pace from War of Jokes and Riddles, which we just went through. Uh, yeah. But I thought it was a sort. It was very. I, I like the the mystery of what they were doing. I like all the stuff in the desert looked beautiful. Uh, Joel yeah. Jones is very expressive, very good sequential art as well. Uh, so no, by the way, did you get the the Lady Killer? No, she has that independent book she does. I think it's with Dark Horse, but called Lady Killer. Mm-hmm. And did you get the Easter egg in this one? I did not get an Easter egg. What was the Easter egg? So Damien's reading a book, and it says the Lady Killer uh, yeah, in 1961. Now that you've pointed it out, yeah, I remember I'm reading that now. Because it's very clear. It's not like you know in comics when they don't want you to care about what's on the cover, so they'll mm. just do it like that scratchy. You know, you can't make it quite out. Here it was very clear. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, nice touch. Uh, you know what? I'm glad. Uh, it's so cool that Joel Jones is now in the rotation for Batman, like with uh, oh. Jan. And I don't. Know, does that mean? Does that mean Finch is doing other things? Is he? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's on something else. Actually, maybe. Maybe he's on one of the Dark Matter books. I'd have to go and check. Double check that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The, I... the new age of DC heroes books now. Sorry. I think you're right though too because I think he's doing the damage book. Does that mm. look like his art? Yeah, it may but be. Don't it, may, me on that. it may be that simple that he's just on one of those books, and that's why he's not on Batman anymore. But you know, I I, I love Joel Jones, so I have no problems with her being the alternate to Janin. Uh, yep. So cool. All right, that'll take us on is Superman number thirty-three. Peter Giamatti and Patrick Gleason making their return with Doug Mankey on art. Uh, so not only did we just have two two-part, so four issues of fill-ins, uh, yep. we also had. Easily the worst two issues by this team just before that. So Superman's yeah. been in a bit of a weird place for a while where it's felt kind of, you know, and then in Black Dawn even was kind of murky. Like it's not really been great since Reborn. Yeah, it, it's been like a three months, which if you take into account the double shipping schedule, that's about how long a normal break would have lasted, you know, for, for a team to, to get it right. Mm. So. But yeah, it, it man, the days of the the carnival story feel long, long behind us. Yeah, you know? I, I, yeah, I. So you know, getting like, I'm hopeful we're back on track. Give us the team back. They've, they've you know, they've rested a little bit. They've, they've worked on their story, uh, and I'm fairly happy to say that I enjoyed this issue the most. I have Superman since probably, probably the first issue of Black because the first issue of Black Dawn was fine. It was then it, when, <laughs> it start, when it started getting going and it started bringing in Manchester Black and the weird plot elements that it got up really iffy uh but that's this story is focusing on lex and uh mm-hmm. you know we're picking back up the fact that he's supposed to be the new ruler of dark side no, not dark side apocalypse mm-hmm. you know what i meant apocalypse. <laughs> you know first on planet yeah yep. so yeah uh, and i love the stuff at the start of this with um like them working like you know you, we see these criminals they're all wearing fake justice league masks and they're you i know, love that on this heist and then, you know, you see flying above them, it's both Superman and Lex Luthor. And they're like, oh, you first. No, I insist. You you take the first shot at the bad guys. Uh, that page, when you turn it and you see both of them, because you get the red cape, right? Yeah. Like, you get the shadow and then the red cape, you're like, oh, clearly it's Superman. And then you turn the page and it's both of them. And it, it's, the, it's them being polite. And going, oh, no, you, I insist. You yeah. go first. That, that, that cracked me up to no end. Uh, yep. And then after they've, they've, they've dealt with everything, they've beat the bad guys, and, and Superman's like, oh, you stay for the press, Lex. I'm going to fly off. That's your thing. I don't care. Uh, yep. But it's like, you know, it's, it's Lex is talking about how, oh, he's finally kind of been accepted as one of the heroes of Metropolis. Even Superman's kind of like, oh, okay, he's making an effort. 
uh, and they're kind of working in the same space. The, he, he's almost a full-on ally at this point. Uh, and of course, the start of the book teases that Apocalypse is kind of in chaos because they don't have a king right now. And mm-hmm. we have uh, these two characters from Apocalypse show up and take him, uh, basically kidnap him and take him to, to Apocalypse. Uh, yeah. And I love that... So Clark goes home and... John's like, oh, I'm going to go and hang out with Damien. We're going to go do some Super Sun stuff. And he's like, no, let's, let's, let's do some family things. Let's go see a movie. Let's go do things. And he gets a little... This, they get this signal where both both Clark and John hear this you know, Kryptonian signal that only they can hear. And he's like, oh, it's Lex. He's, he's, he's saying something's important. But you know what? Let's just ignore it. The last time he, he set this off, it was to show off his new armor. This is not a big deal. Yeah, he, he upgraded the his shield emblem on his chest Which, and don't you kind of love that Lex like calls Superman to come and check out oh look I've upgraded my armor he's so excited to show off he's like hey yeah he's that nerdy friend like Lex has Lex has dig- or digressed has gone back to Smallville Lex when they were kind of friendly you know like we've seen it in multiple origins and regressed but, like, I think you meant to say there but... regressed there we <laughs> yeah, go yeah. sorry digressed. he's regressed to to that uh, to that youthful self where he's like hey check this out isn't this cool like come on and i just i feel like they're setting up the heel turn finally i think i know i think i know what's going to be my little matt i, I think because obviously he's, he's suits all powered by a mother box right i think yeah. i think his mother box is going to get taken away and i think him not having the power to feel equal is going to be what turns him back to being vindictive yeah. and wanting to be a mold self again I agree because he and, and all the promo images we've seen from Doomsday Clock, it seems that mm. Lex is pretty central to that, and it would make sense to set the table for him to have be more antagonistic towards Superman at the start of that. And I can see that. I can see that when they take the mother box away. I, we know Doomsday Clock is jealous of him. It's set a year later as well, so there's time mm-hmm. in the story to like have him build up yeah. to it over the as yeah. it's as we're you know going through Doomsday Clock. So. Yep. That, that that could work quite well, but he gets taken, and then you know the family go for their go for their movie to come out, and it's on the way home. Which I so I looked up which movie it was, mm. uh, and it's one of the spaghetti westerns, right? Because those names are super familiar. I think so. I, I, I they were sounding familiar, but I didn't, I didn't quite catch what movie so it was. Blondie and Tuco. So I I googled that, and it's Eli Wallach and Clint Eastwood are the images that show up. So I figured it's it's one of those, which I I can't right. keep them straight. I've never been much of a fan. Yeah, it'll, it'll, so. it'll either be Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, or For a Few Dollars More. I can't remember. I can never yeah. remember which names they have in what movies because they, yeah. they, they they essentially play different characters. Even even Clint Eastwood, I don't think is yeah. technically the same character in all three movies, which is weird. No. Even though he seems like he is and he acts like he is, but but what I like is that Clark talks about he's he's talking with John like, oh, I used to watch that on TV with my dad all the time. So it was cool to see it on the big screen with you. Hmm. And it was just some nice little, again, like this book was about the family moments I of them living in Hamilton. So that was a nice little... I need to rewatch those movies. It's been a while. It's been a while. I need yeah. to find an excuse to do them in flux and make Connor watch them. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do but love anyways, that trilogy. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. That you know, And and that's when all hell breaks loose because you have the Lexbots come and they attract the Kryptonian... Signature, which that's scary for Superman. Yeah, like, I liked how they, they wrote off. There's a quick excuse because I think Lois questions. Wait, does that mean he knows <laughs> who you are? If he can track you like that, and <laughs> yeah, there's a quick like, oh no, it just tracks the signature of my DNA. It's not like a constant monitoring. Like you just sort of, like yeah, okay. Yeah, they 
they only receive, not send. Yeah. You know, so. But still, if it can track a. Right. If it can receive and not send, so it receives orders, but it doesn't send it back yet. But still, like, I don't know. I don't trust Lex not to just use broken, out of date bots. You know, know. so. I don't know. It seems a bit. So they have a bit of fight scene. Because they actually say, oh, Lex Luthor. Uh, need your help you're coming with us and Clark's like no <laughs> and then like well tough you've given us a negative response now we have to take you by force so they have a bit oh. of a fight scene you know we have uh, both Clark and John you know opening the shirts at the same time you know, that's pretty cool have your little moment um, but then the mother box decides to just transport them to Apocalypse anyway and Lois goes as well all three of them get taken and the yeah. last page is that all three of them have been split up they're all in different parts of Apocalypse and uh, I'm basically expecting Lois to have a fight with Granny Goodness at some point <laughs> over yeah. this arc. Uh, it makes yeah, too much yeah. sense. But yeah, so we're in Apocalypse. So it was a set-up issue. It was just kind of getting us to the start of what this arc's really going to be. But we're on Apocalypse, we're dealing with Lex, uh, and we're dealing with the family all being kind of stranded mm-hmm. on there. So this should be fun. Uh, I like this issue quite a bit. It's definitely the most I've enjoyed Superman in about three or four mm-hmm. months. So I'm happy and to see And monkeys that. are... While it can be look like sketchy and in that way that it looks like with the pencils, it mm. looks like a, a sketch that's been colored, you know. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work. Other times it really works. Like that page with Superman and Lex flying overhead, or the even, one, even the, the one, one at the end of that. The one at the end of that scene where it's like uh, Lex has his hand on Superman's shoulder and he's saying, "Hey, please, yeah. officer, we're all on the same team here." Yeah, uh, it's not a good we're page. Great. Yeah. yeah, and the way Monkey Jaws, uh, John as well, looks really good. So it's just yeah, it's it's good to have this team back. Yeah, it is, and it's it's good that they're actually on top form and they're telling an actual story and not here's here's lots of plaques that we're going to read off verbatim for for the yeah. whole issue because uh, that was tedious as hell. Uh, but no, I, I'm excited to see where this goes. I I actually I'm looking forward to seeing how they deal with this Lex Apocalypse stuff uh, mm-hmm. and where it goes. So. Uh, and obviously, we have, again, all families involved, so it feels like the family book again. So no, uh, it was nice to have it back. So that'll take us on to Green Lantern's number thirty-three, which is the first issue by Tim Seeley. Uh, he's joined by Eduardo Pansica uh, on art, uh, who I think is probably my favourite of the artists on Green Lanterns. You know, we've got two or three that are rotating. Yeah. I feel like I always like his issues the most in terms of the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art looks good. The, the colouring on this one, I felt, was a little bit off. Oh, I like I lo- it. I love the colouring in this issue, Matt. But I, we've had this conversation before. We I have, feel. but I prefer... Li- I like when Green Lantern's, like, vibrant and bold and here when they're a little bit more muted. Like, it worked in the underground sequences, but I feel like for the big space stuff and even the everyday, I like it when it's brighter. Oh, no, I like, I, I like the muted That's just a personal... Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a personal... Di- and it's yeah. not that I dislike the bright so much, it's just that I'm so used to the bright that I, l- I love getting the muted for a change. Uh, so I've been digging the art... Uh, when, it, when it's been Pansika and this colorist. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, the first issue of a new run, and right away, I think I want to say that Seeley is not, like, you know, I was almost a little bit, not, I mean, I like Seeley, but I was almost a little bit worried that, you know, we've had Humphreys for the entire yeah. run, that, oh, maybe the voices of Jessica and Simon might, you know, feel a little bit different, or anything like that. No, this is Jessica. Jessica feels the most Jessica yeah. she's ever been. <laughs> and, uh, Her sequence in the therapist office, I thought was... Like great. When she was talking about, oh yeah, yeah, I've gotten better. I'm, I'm not like you know yeah. scared to answer the door for the pizza guy in case he's a Russian spy. So you know that's, yeah. you know that's that's. that's and good. just 
and and in conjunction with the art, her expressions, just like she feels carefree. She's not this bottled up like the character's grown, and she has. I, I feel like they've just thrown out all that stuff that Johns had set up. Like, I mean, they still could go through there that she's the biggest mm. threat, but. I feel like no, nah, they've they've made her a blank uh, slate with kind of rebirth. I, I think if and they, Humphreys if, grew her. If they if they return and, to that 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 plot tease of her being this big threat, I think it'll be a one arc thing, and then we'll be back to yeah. normal afterwards. I feel like now it'd be such yeah. a shame to throw throw her away if we're going to that's, do like oh she's evil for us an arc. Yeah, and and that, that's how I feel because I feel like Humphreys has grown her into this fully developed character, and now that's what made it easy for Celie. To just come in and nail her voice, because there was already so much that, you know, what what issue was this? Thirty three. Did you say thirty three? So yeah, we've had thirty two issues thus far, of of her, and we know her character and pretty well. And not even just her voice and his voice, but even the dynamic. Like I yeah. one, one of my favorite moments of this. So so the, the plot of this issue is you've got flashbacks to both of them on Earth being told they need to get jobs. One by the therapist, and then Simon by his sister, yep. and then. On present day, we've got them dealing with this crisis in space. Well, this this sun's going to go supernova, and there's a planet nearby where all the life is going to die if they don't evacuate it. But the the, yeah. the, the alien race on the planet are kind of like, no, we don't actually want to leave because we'll just perish with our planet because we love our planet. And you know, so they're dealing with yeah. that. So there's a lot of action stuff with them, like dealing with like lava and rock and all the rest of it. And there's a scene where okay, we have to get to the, because the, the, the alien race loves underground, we have to go mm-hmm. under the core, or whatever, and like, okay, yeah. what's the quickest way down? He's like, oh, well, we can go through the lava, and Simon jumps in, and he yells, uh, oh, last one's in, the loser, and then after they jump in, he's like, oh, was that bad, because your anxiety, was yeah. that insensitive? Uh, and she's, she's like, she's, she's kind of plays it along, she gets all sad looking, and then she turns yeah. around, and probably my favourite panel in the whole issue is her turning around with this smirk in her face saying, sucker, and then, you yeah. know, willpower 100%, and she's like, off, Flying. Well, she's like, yeah, you know, maybe bringing up my past and my issues probably wasn't the best when I need my willpower going through a lava field where I could die. <laughs> I hope, you know, good job. And that's where you can see Simon freaking out, and that's when she turns around and just, again, their their playfulness is there. Like, I, I buy that they're partners. Mm. Like, like in a buddy cop movie. You know, like, they have their rough spots where they didn't get along, but now this is, like, movie two. And... You know, kind of they, like they I can, each other. I can almost see, like, you know, one day we'll get the Humphreys omnibus, and then there'll be a Sealy uh. omnibus after it, and they'll just neatly, uh. you know, part two. Maybe, uh-huh. you know, it depends how Sealy goes. Maybe there'll be two omnibuses, yeah. ahead, but yeah. But, I mean, and I'm not surprised with Sealy from the stuff that I've read between Grayson and Nightwing, and him bringing in all these, you know, side characters, and just juggling them all so well, you know. And so I don't want to say I was surprised, but I'm glad that the tone. Has maintained with with these yeah, two characters. They've really yeah. grown on me. Yeah, this is this has become like it's funny how much this book's grown since it started, and I think yeah. with Celia, it's only going to get it's only going to go to new heights. And uh, yep. during all this going on, they're trying to save this race, they're trying to convince them. And oh, Jessica's ring's still cracking me up. It's got its own attitude. I love that when yep. she's when she does actually start to feel anxious towards the end of this year because she's like holding all the weight of all this rubble and she's trying to save the yeah, alien species. And the ring of the planet. Yeah, they ate to the planet, but she says, "Oh, how much? Am, how much am I holding in terms of weight?" Because it, it, you know, the ring says, "Oh, you're you're reaching kind of the, yeah. the limits of what this this can do, what we can hold weight wise." Right. And she's like, "Oh, what am I holding?" And he's like, "Oh, this amount of kilograms, this amount of tons." And then he says, "Or thirty six trillion Thanksgiving turkeys, because that's how yeah. you should weigh things <laughs> is yeah, in Thanksgiving yeah. turkeys." 
Uh, also, sextillion. That's a, that's a lot of tillions. Sextillion. A lot. It's a lot of billions. Yes, it's a lot. Uh... So as this is all going down, we also get a ship that shows up with, um, what was the name, uh, Regent Anthony Vok, uh, who's a, an Angaran, uh, as an right. as an uh species. An Amonsur. An Amonsur, of course. Sun, yeah. All the Sur's, all them. Yeah. Uh, so she's she's so she's like a you know, uh, well a Regent. Uh, so however high that up that is in the yeah, we know like, that's her ship. Yeah, you know like, that's her ship, and she's got her daughter here, who's apparently a celebrity on their home planet. And she wanted to show her daughter, like, uh, uh, you know, Green Lanterns in action. Let's be heroes. Let's, you know, save, help save these people, this, this alien race. Um, and the big cliffhanger at the end is that uh, Jessica gets left on her own because Simon has to go off and try and help them because there's a solar flare that uh, and the gamma rays, like, attack the ship. And when he gets up yep. to the ship at the end, the daughter's, like, you know, lying, dying. She's, like, singing one of her... She's, I think she's a pop star. I think that's what it was in the yeah. location was. And she's like dying in her mother's arms, and I'm like, oh man, this got dark. Like I like these. I, I mean, it's I've only had them in like four pages, and I already like this this mother daughter team. Yeah, I like them already. Well, and it helps too, like that they explain their connection to the Green Lantern Corps because mm. you know Avin Sir was this hero, and they're in the same sector. Like people forget that Avin Sir before Jordan and before Earth had Green Lanterns, he was the Lantern of twenty eight fourteen. Which makes sense. You know? That's why yeah. Hal became twenty eight fourteen is because he took over twenty eight fourteen yeah. from the previous line. Exactly, exactly. And so the fact that these are like our neighbors and they're our cousins, and they, you know, it, it's good to be reminded of that because sometimes they, I feel like the Green Lantern books forget that there's other types of lanterns out there, and or or aliens that that could have been Green Lanterns because it's always so focused on Earth. And so the fact that they they have this bridge that connects them. I really liked him taking time to do that. Yeah, no, I I liked him immediately. Uh, so I cared that the daughter's dying, especially since uh, like she's she's a fan of the lantern. She she wanted to see them yeah. in action. Um, so no, I, I think I think this issue, uh, as much as I loved Humphreys, I'm actually kind of excited, and I think that Celia might even surpass what we got with Humphreys because yeah. immediately he's balancing the Earth stuff that I want from Green Lanterns, but he's also gave us a fun space element and. Mm. Uh, like you know, introducing like maybe regular supporting alien characters that we might like, like you know, yeah. uh, Vok here. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I was down. I was I was really into this issue. Um, yeah, characters, action, art, all of it. I was into all of it. And and their jobs that that Simon and Jessica have to get. You know, so she goes to be like a waitress at a like at a coffee shop of a super hipster looking place in Portland, but of course. Simon, who's only interested in cars, it looks like he goes to be like on a pit crew team of a race car squad. Yeah, and, and it shows how both of them are kind of like they're having. First, of, actually, can mm-hmm. I just say before we talk about the, the issues they have when they go to get their jobs, is that you know, so Simon's sister's like, oh, you need to get a job and pay rent. Now, I get that paying a rent's a mm-hmm. thing, right? That's obviously important. Yeah. But here's the other thing: he is literally on call for cosmic events all the time. How can he hold a job and expect his boss to understand when he gets a call through the ring, oh, by the way, there's a planet dying somewhere, you need to go and yeah. save people. Well, and, and the fact that he's an ex-con as it is, because of, of his origin. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that comes up into it, but I'm just forgetting that. Just just in the pure fact that he's right. a lantern and he's on call 24-7 to go and save the world or save other worlds or save the universe. Right. He's just like, how so, can you... I was going to say, there's already a limited number of jobs he can get so then imagine he does get one, and now he has to be like, yeah, sometimes I need to go for weeks at a time. He'd be fired after, like, a week, if that. Yeah. 
it's just because of yeah. what, what his commitments are. So same with Jessica. But then on top of that, they both have their own thing where Jessica says to the boss, you know, she's been interviewed for the job at the coffee shop, and she's like, oh yeah, I have anxiety. You know, I was like, you know, I witnessed a bit of violent crime, and I was, you know, a, yeah. uh, you know, bad for years. And yeah. he, you know, he responds with, oh well, uh, you know, be, being a waitress is very, you know, can be very stressful. And it's like, okay, yeah. she, he's already made his choice that she's she's not getting yeah. the job. And then likewise, Simon's like, yeah, by the way, if you look me up on the internet, like I did steal a van once, and there was explosives in it, so you might yeah. see my name. But next to the word terrorist in a newspaper, which again means he's probably not getting the job because the employer's yeah. going to be like, "Yeah, I don't want that on my on my plate." Of course, that's fine. So, so basically, what you're saying is that the Green Lantern Corps, they need you know to pay their employees better. You know, I mean, if yeah. if a guy can run a bar on Oa, he's got to be getting paid a lot, right? Like. Yeah, basically, yeah, they need to pay. And honestly, I feel like all the, the heroes who want to spend time being heroes, mm-hmm. I feel like they all need to set up like GoFundMes or Patreons yeah. because you know, they don't have time to do regular jobs. They're too busy saving the world. Yeah, there's one guy that has a pretty big, you know, pocketbook that could probably cover all of this. Yeah. You know? Oh, I was saying Bruce should be paying them all. Yeah, yeah. You know kind of how Iron Man funds, you know, the Avengers sometimes? Mm. You know, Bruce could just be like, yeah, I got you guys this rent, whatever, like, go. Plus, out of all of the, the they, out of all of the heroes, being a Green, a Green Lantern is actually a job. Like, they're an actual is, police force, yeah. you know? So, I just feel like, you know, anybody that kind of doesn't need, you know, uh, secret identities for, you know, like, like you know, Clark has to write for the Daily Planet so he can afford an apartment. I feel like these guys don't. Like, it was cool that Hal was a, you know, a test pilot, because, you know, it's a cool job that nobody has, especially anymore, but, yeah. but yeah. that, that kind of worked, because that was his passion before, and then, it, like, yeah. for a while he did both, because he, he didn't want to let it go. It was still kind of his right. life, but eventually, yeah, it's not like he does that anymore. Like, eventually he just right. became a Green Lantern full-time. Uh, yeah. But that made sense from a character perspective, whereas... Here it's just like, yeah. come on, serious, be serious here. Simon's going to yeah. be called off to a crisis within a couple of days, and he's going to get fired for disappearing from the job. Like that's that's what's going to happen. So, you know, um, behave. I mean, it's bad enough when I'm reading Nightwing, and I'm like, nah, he. There's no way he can like keep regular hours. No way. Never mind lanterns who are being called off. Out that of makes planet. sense why he's a blackjack dealer now. You know, because yeah. they work all kinds of weird hours. So uh, that, that, that's only because he's, he's staking the place out. Once that's done, yeah. he's going to be back to the bar or whatever. Yeah. So, hey. Anyway, no, like this show a lot. It was really good. So, uh, that'll take us on to Green Arrow number 33. Benjamin Percy writing Jamal Campbell on art. Uh, much like Tom King, Ben Percy has some sort of deal with the devil because he keeps getting good artists to uh, do his books. Well... Yeah, I agree on that. I just wanted to – I was thinking about this book since I read it on Wednesday. And in our current political climate, when this book started, it was kind of like, oh, look how over the top Percy is. <laughs> that, that seems subtle by comparison. <laughs> Not subtle because it's still a little over the top. But it doesn't seem that far-fetched anymore. <laughs> like I could see certain companies and certain organizations trying to fund a private city this way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just it, it breaks my brain because coming into rebirth i liked percy's green arrow because it was so out there like yeah he had oliver running around as a werewolf you know and and 
getting like weird blood and stuff. And there was a, a, a Dia de los Muerto villain that he fought. And it was just zany and like silver agey. And here, when it started, it felt like, oh, the burned men? That's weird. There's no way a shadowy bank could control the control a government. And then you look at some of the stuff that's going around in the real world, and you're kind of like, oh, man, maybe. Maybe <laughs> he knows something that we don't. Maybe him and King get together on the weekends, and King's like, hey, I got some things that I, I remember from the CIA, but I can't say them. So, here, Percy. Like, you can have them for Green Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I like how yeah those DC like creator summits where they all get together for like, the weekend to like ha- you know hash out some future like crossovers yeah. and events and stuff. Yeah, King's just passing around CIA intel. Yeah, from his past, he's like yeah yeah. He's yeah, like y'all, y'all didn't get this from me, and nobody's gonna believe it. So throw it in a comic, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's just I just reading this one, which was probably the most grounded it's been. I mean, two issues before this because we had the last one was the tie into metal, but. Yeah, it was yeah, in space. Yeah, him going up to a space yeah. station with with the Green Lantern, and and it was fun superhero stuff. But he comes back, and you know he's back to being Robin Hood. Yeah, and, he's, he's and literally I, back in the city, uh, and it yep. deals with that. It, it deals with you know it's, it's it's kind of a a fragmented issue, and it deals with several things that it's, it's building up for this new arc. Which is one, he's back with Dinah. They have a great sort of uh, rekindling moment. Yeah, where he, yep. he goes back and. You know, I love the narration there. He's like, "Oh, Emmy told me that they were having like a surprise, or not a surprise, but like a get together to welcome her home." And he's like, "Well, why are you not coming?" And she just winked at me. And then he gets there, and it's Dana, and she's like, "Take off your shirt," and she's like, "Oh, you need a haircut," and she's like, "Cutting his hair." And the end, you know, that 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 full page spread with the title page, which is like him yep. just grabbing her and kissing her uh, as yep. the as the like the yeah you know, the shaving stuff is all like falling to the floor because they've yep. tipped the table over. It's just it's a great page. Uh, mm-hmm. It's probably not as beautiful though as later on that two page layout where they're looking out, out at the sunset and it's just the ocean. I was just gonna say that so pretty. That is fantastic. Pretty the stuff. way that the coloring hits just perfectly of what a sunset looks like with all the colors mm. and it's just washed out. Yeah, it's again you talk about that deal with the devil, the Percy and King. Again, these two guys writing these two characters who would have thought. Like they were gonna hit the treasure trove. We got, we got Faria. Oh, we we got Cam- Campbell now, and we had Schmidt. Although it looks like Schmidt starting in January is going to be on Teen yeah. Titans, another Percy book. Yeah. Uh, which is maybe the one benefit of this going single monthly is that you can take one of the artists over to Teen Titans yep. with them and be here. You can do that now. Yeah. Good time. And yeah, this story though, I'm really enjoying it with oh, with him coming back, to take back Seattle. And I like that he still calls it Seattle. It's not Star City to him, you know, and uh, which is still weird to me because he's always just been the the guardian of Star City. Yeah, I, th- I think he will change. I, th- I think he'll okay. It's Star City now, but we're going to make it our Star City, not this evil company yeah. Star City. We're going to yeah. change it. I feel that's where it's going too. But the fact that he's still fighting for the soul of Seattle and yeah. it opens up with this guy, you know, <laughs> they're, they're going to cut down this tree that's in a park, and it's you know. Hundreds of years old, but it's they're huge. gonna chop it down. See, see when you see yeah. the guy strapped because he's quite up high as well. Yeah. He's, he's been chained up high in the tree, but the the yeah. trunk is so wide that he's like only like covering a small part of the front of it. Yeah, but so you think that this is a guy that's lashed himself to a tree so they don't cut it down, but it's not. It's one of these rogue heroes that's like, oh, you want to cut down this tree to d- develop your real estate? So he chained the real estate developer up onto it and was gonna cut it down and have it fall on top of him. I'm just like, man, things are rough. Hey, if you're, gonna, if, you're like, gonna, if you're gonna kill someone, do it ironically. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm and I just like the way that that Arrow shows up with with Emmy, 
in that scene and you know again he feels like robin hood which i always felt was was the best yeah description and the two cops who argue about it you get the sense that some of them are for green arrow and some of them are against green arrow he's 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 polarizing right now in the city Mm -hmm. which is a which is a fun idea to play with uh so the other stuff that's going on is uh the the whole you know uh Oliver being on trial for murder is still happening. Yep. Kate's pissed. She's arguing with Emmy. Although Emmy found the girl who's meant to have killed, Wendy Poole, she's yep. still alive. So that's the yep. thing. But Oliver's refusing to... Because uh, like, her father doesn't want her to like go into the limelight and be up on the public eye. Which is fair, because you see she is so traumatized oh, from her broken. time. Oh, she's broken, yeah. And, and so his the DA, Kate Spencer... Not the DA, his defense attorney. And I guess that's a DA. Anyways... Uh, his defense attorney is saying, like, no, this is our star witness. Like, the fact she's alive proves that you didn't kill her. She needs to take the stand. And I like that Ollie's like, nah, we're, we're going to beat this. There's a way. That's why I'm paying you. Like, we don't need her. Yeah. Let her have her, you know, her life back. And, of course, the third plot of the book is that we see Moira Queen, like, the, the Nine Circle are pissed at her because... Because the satellite went down, they were supposed to start mm-hmm. changing other cities to their cities, and now that's not yep. happening. So they've basically given her a vote of no confidence, and they're like, yeah, well, we're going to come and collect, implying that they're going to come and kill her. Yeah. So And Roderick. And, and Roderick. I forgot what had happened to him. So seeing him pop back up. Yeah, he, he's on a table. He's like, he's all screwed up. But she kills him. She's like, nah, you've failed. I've yep. not failed. Uh, and so we don't know what our plan is yet, but of course the big cliffhanger to the book is that she shows up to Ollie, and obviously Ollie's like, mother, but how? So yeah. obviously she's going to pretend to be good for Oliver for at least the next yeah. issue. We'll see where that... I don't know what she's planning, how she's going to do this. Maybe she's going to try and use Green okay. Arrow to like take out the Nine Circle. She's going to use yeah. him for her own means. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. Uh, although I'm not looking forward to Oliver finding out that she's actually evil incarnate. That, that'll, be, that'll be rough going. So here's what here's my take away from all this. We know that Robert left, and that's where Emiko comes from, right? Mm-hmm. He was running around with Shadow, doing the Arrow Clan stuff. That's which, still which actually we should point out that Shadow has been hired to come and kill Moira Queen, right? By the Night Circle, by Dante himself, who's not dead. Who was like, who's not dead, <laughs> and uh, who they thought that they blew up on the barge, you know, issues ago. But um, she, you know, talking about Shadow, how she's the perfect weapon. And, like, I'm not here for you. I'm here for your service. And so it makes me think that Robert Queen maybe was pulled into this because it – remember we got the, the, the tomb before Ollie left? Yeah. That's it, what happened it, to Broderick. Yeah, he found um, all the stuff, yeah. But, like, the Queens kind of were always, like, the good family of Seattle. Like, there's – you know, so the fact – I'm thinking that maybe Moira and her family kind of pulled Robert into this. Hmm. And then – that's why that that's why that mask was there she's you know? the tr- she's the true evil of the, of the she's family. the true evil and that's why he left and you know to to ollie he faked his death to leave and went and started this other family but it was him trying to do good because that's what the queens are about and you know yeah it sucks that he had to leave his son to do that but now ollie's gonna pick up that legacy you know or and, they're and, just both evil pieces of shit that's also a possibility <laughs> Yeah, I like to think the other way, though. Hey, you may be right. You you may be right. I like to take the winding road. You know, the road less traveled. But there's always what gets me in trouble watching wrestling as well. I'll I'll think of this really cool idea, and then it doesn't happen, because of course it's not going to happen. And then I get sad, because I was like, it was so easy. If this dude can figure it out, like, why can't these writers that are getting paid, you know? But but yeah, Uh, really enjoy this book. 
Uh, yeah. I have since Lemire, and then Percy. Even the only time I really have it is when they try to make it more like the show, you know, and they run in Felicity, and, <laughs> and and that didn't last in the New Fifty Two before Percy took it over and just wiped all that out. But it's been a consistent, fun read. You know, it's somewhat pulpy, but the art's always there. Percy's still just knocking it out. So this is she's no different. Yeah, this wasn't a set piece issue by any means. It was just kind of setting up all the different elements that are coming up. Uh, but it was nice to get back to the city after he's been away for an issue. It, it felt like a nice return back. Uh, in more ways than one, you know, in the sense that he, he comes back to Dinah, they, they make yeah. up. Uh, the fact that she's like, oh, you helped save Gotham, which is my city, so I'm going to help save yours. Uh, so, you know, right. so they're stronger than ever right now, seemingly. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how Moira shakes things up. But no, it was a, it was a solid, another solid issue. That'll take us on to Nightwing 31, Tim Seeley writing and Miguel Madoncha on art. Uh, obviously, Tim Seeley is leaving this in a couple of issues' time, but for one or two months, he is doing both Nightwing and Green Lantern, so he's a busy man. Um, yeah. We're not having Humphreys. Is, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be there in December. Uh, yeah. On, on, on Nightwing. But for now, uh, Seeley's finishing up his, his last arc, uh, which you know obviously wrapped us back in Bloodhaven. Uh, and Raptor, basically sensing that Nightwing's working with Blockbuster, goes and, you know, Blockbuster, not as Blockbuster, but as Desmond Rowland, is going to do a speech for a bunch right. of kids. Because, you, know, you know, he is someone who loves his city. He wants to make these speeches and inspire people. Yeah, here Sealy goes making a third-dimensional character again. Uh-huh. Like, like, like I had chalked up to Blockbuster just being this criminal element that's, like, taking advantage of everybody. But the way that he talks to these high school students about, you know, trying to make themselves better, I really do believe now that he wants what's best for Bloodhaven, even if he's going to do it on the underhanded side. Yeah, yeah, he 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 will do it by means, you know, less than yeah. you know, pleasant means to get accomplish mm-hmm. it. But his goals kind of noble uh, in in a way. Yeah. But Raptor shows up and basically to discredit him, forces him to turn into Blockbuster in front of the kids, and now they're all terrified of him and they see him as a monster. Yep. So, you know, he's pissed about that. Meanwhile, Nightwing and Huntress go and deal with the uh, the Waylanders. They're, they're, they're trying to steal some uh, a <laughs> fish thing that you use for medication. Yeah. I could check, but No, I love that there was that editor's box that said, no joke, this is a real thing, look it up. About yeah. it. That horseshoe crab blood is apparently used in some kind of medicine. Yeah. Um, I was just like, okay, I believe you. They, they, they did some research <laughs> to put in a nice little fact that I didn't know. That's that's fine. That's but, cool. But I like that the whale enders, because we know that the, you know Blockbuster took out Orca, and Orca mm. was like their heavy. And so they go in there, and they're trying to become their own heavy so they don't get taken advantage of. And that dude injects himself with whatever the thing is, and it just no, completely no, messes with them. dude. Lady. It's a... Uh, lady. What was this? Mer- but, Merkel, I want to say? Was it? I think so. Okay. So wait, are all the Wailanders ladies? No, not all of them. Just a, just the leader. Okay. I gotta go back. I was reading this issue very fast. So <laughs> yeah, the, but... the, the leader the leader's female, and then the rest are a bunch of dudes. Okay. Well, the leader injects themselves with this stuff, and it doesn't work out quite well. And I got quite the laugh out of it, just because. Usually in a comic, that's usually when a new villain's created. It doesn't even, here. it's not even just that it doesn't work out well. It, it doesn't work out well in about two panels. <laughs> like, she's down. Yeah. She's, she's taken care exactly. of. Exactly. Stunned. Uh, 
so Huntress gets pissed though because she realizes that they're there on a tip on on a tip from Blockbuster, yeah. and she does not take kindly to that. And Nightwing, because he works with the mob, and she hates the mob. Yeah, and Nightwing yeah. gets gets a couple of hits in, uh, and this is basically them breaking up. Which, if I have a complaint yeah. about this, is that it does feel just kind of, if this was so tenuous that it was just a you know going to be a quick thing, I feel weird about them treating it like it was an actual relationship then breakup. Yeah, does that make sense? No, it's. I feel like Celia's just trying to capitalize on the Grayson tie-in. Like he mm. he wrote that really cool. You know, the whole spiral wrap-up and wanted to keep Huntress there, so it just didn't seem like that's what he was doing. I'd rather have her just go, you know, go back to Birds of Prey and them not do this whole relationship thing. I, I mean, I, you know? I, I thought it was fine at the end of that arc where they did, you know, but it could have just been a one-time thing and then, like, okay, right, yeah. we, we can't be a couple. That was, like, a one-time... And while I liked the scene she had in the last issue, I feel like, ah, oh, this... I don't know, it felt like a breakup that didn't need to be a breakup. It could have just been... You know, like they're not a couple. They had a they had one one night thing. That's fine. Uh, yeah. it is, I don't know. It felt like an extraneous breakup, given that we already had a big breakup with Sean, which was very emotional and did have a lot of impact. Yep. Uh, so that that'd be my one my one criticism of it. Uh, so speaking of Sean, she she actually goes to find Pigeon just to warn her because yeah. if if what's going down with Raptor uh, is happening, she still wants to go and warn her old buddy, even though she's not in the best place with her. Uh, but when yep. she goes in, she finds Raptor's mask. Raptor seems to be working with Pigeon. Oh, that's, 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 yeah. that's at least what she thinks. Uh, it could potentially be that he like murdered her or something, but she's probably just working with him. No, it makes sense because they're. It seems that their their goals are aligned. Where she's more about mm. making a symbol, he's about actually tearing it down. And, so, and anti, they're both anti-Nightwing as well, uh, so that's, yeah, that, that's always a fun, fun thing. Uh, so yeah. that, that's setting stuff up. Uh, meanwhile, Nightwing is uh, still sort of working as at the you know at the blackjack table in Desmond's casino, uh, and we have the cliffhanger at the end where Raptor in regular clothes. It, it took me a second to realize who this was. I'm not gonna lie, it took me a little second because you can see you can see the the you know, the metal cloth mm-hmm. things he has on his on his sort of glove. Yeah. Uh, but like he's just he's there and he's got he's got a suit. It's in his colours. It's just in the orange and kind of black of course. Uh, colours. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, deal me in, Dick. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a that's a cliffhanger. <laughs> I always love the double entendre of his name. <laughs> yes. So you can just add it to things. You can. Like, I, I love easy. when when one of the Robins will do that. You know, way to go, Dick. And it's just it works. But yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> uh, no, I, I thought this was a fine next chapter. I, I had that one complaint about the, the needless breakup with Huntress, but uh, otherwise, I like what it's building to. I like what it's doing with uh, Raptor actually going after Blockbuster and being like, "Hey, you know, you, you think you're you're working against me, and you think you're a step ahead because you've got this alliance now? No, 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 no. I, I am. I know what I'm doing. I, I'm ahead of the game. I'm I'm ahead of you. I'm I'm ten steps ahead. Yep. Oh, your mic's going, Matt. So. That's that's Nightwing. Any, any other thoughts on Nightwing before I shift no, it on? Just art was nice. Nothing. nothing I was fine. It was consistent but, with the last couple of issues. I, li- yeah. I like the uh, their entrance to the you know the whole uh, the Waylanders fight. Yeah. Uh, that Pretty full good. page spread of Nightwing. His baton coming. To, you know, almost as if it's coming towards the camera. It had a really good yeah. pop to it. Really good three D kind of effect to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll give it that. Also, the runoffs all crammed in the van with Gorilla Grim in yeah. the back. That's amusing. Just, a uh, funny visual, just because it's big old hulking gorilla. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's all. 
Yeah, there's another Saw the Nightwing. Uh, if not a standout one necessarily, but you know, pretty cool. Uh, and that was my front door slamming very loudly. Uh, <laughs> so let's move on to Titans number 16. Dan Abnett writing Brett Booth on art. And this is um, obviously the last issue ended with Wally seemingly dying after he reverse timed a little bit to save Dick. Uh, speaking of Dick, yep. more Dick. Lots of Dick this week. Lots um, of Dick. All bunch of dick. All bunch of dick. Uh, so a lot of this was them fighting Simon and the kind of possessed uh, Narc and uh, what's his face, Malcolm Duncan, Harold, Harold. Yeah, that is his own name. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, as they yell out for for Wally or other other Wally in Central City, hears this and speeds off to, to see what's going on. So he actually discovers yep. the, uh, the 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 now dead Wally West. So I assume it's going to be him that ends up somehow bringing him back or helping or uh, using the speed force to kickstart his heart again I, I don't know take, take your pick um, I th- th- this issue was uh, fine for me I, I liked the first half a lot more than the second half mainly because the first half I felt it was building to something mm-hmm. that they didn't actually get to um, yep. like I expected it to end with whoever the villain was because they kept talking about oh she's coming she's or yep. our boss is coming and I expected that to, to be the end but I expected that to happen after other Wally woke up like you know old Wally I expected them to kind of have their moment where they kind of saved him they thought oh great we've got Wally back nothing can defeat us now oh shit evil Donna from the future's here or from another timeline or whatever wherever she's from um, so. So I was, I was so spending feels a little bit towards the end, but I, I did like the instant reactions from everyone because they're all upset that Wally died, so they all go in fighting, ang- yeah, with yeah. anger. Yeah, that, that that's part. part that I liked because we got to see how each of the Titans deal with grief. Mm. You know, and you know, I, I like liked uh, Omen just get like you know what I'm sick of being scared of Simon. It's time for a psychic battle, yeah. and you get that big page spread of like them just with their was, their psychic was, beams clashing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, I like how the the Arsenal and Dick just keep going with the mission. Mm. You know, that's how they they deal with that. And then uh, the Tempest just loses it and starts going nuts, and and or Donna Donna just starts going nuts. So that was a yeah. She's I just, had she's had feelings for Wally. So yeah, you, you get the sense that she's yeah. even more pissed than everyone else. And so I just the reveal of Donna. I don't know. I just I feel like it comes from nowhere. I don't feel like there's outside of the one issue. What was that in the annual? It was the annual, yeah. origin. There really hasn't been any hints. Like I thought the Mister I mean, Twister stuff, because it built off a of Titans hunt, was fine. Yeah, Mister Twister uh, and the key. The key being the guy from the annual. They show up. Yeah. Which I will at least compliment that it was a nice timing thing because you know because mm-hmm. we're about to reveal this evil Donna. It was nice for them to remind us. Oh yeah, he was there when she found the, tr- the truth about herself out, and right. that started maybe the what might lead to this dark version of Donna. I think. Yeah. What goes against? Because I, I think Titans is consistently a a fine to good read, but never spectacular. I, th- I think that one issue with Superman and Wally was really good, but... Yes, um, that was next level. Otherwise, it's Even very... Even the de- first arc. The first arc I really liked because it was so centred on, on Wally. Eh, but... It was fine. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's kind of consistently in that, you know, uh, you know, it, it's a solid seven, typically. Yeah, I, I think you're higher on it than I am. Eh, six, seven. Well, well, you know, in that range. And... I think it's it's funny because it it, it it always gives me enough of the characters that I always want to come back and I always have fun, uh, but there are, there are some weird decisions or some weird sort of like things that draw it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing going against this you know evil Donna thing is is that this is kind of like what we're doing to Detective with Tim. 
I mean, oh, sure, she maybe from maybe a different reason why she's or she's from a different universe or something, but it's just so similar in the core idea that I'm like, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> um, I just uh, the fact that in Titans Hunt you had Mister Twister built to be the such a big threat that he kind of altered reality and made them forget about all this. So mm. they, you know, because if he gets out, that's it. And then I just feel like, well, he was just in service to this evil Donna, like. Okay, that that doesn't quite. Yeah, maybe, I'm not sure if you like. Is he just a henchman to these people now, or was he always working under her? Yeah, I, I'm not I sure. I just if, felt like uh, I just uh, felt like he. We throw this around a lot, the Lovecraftian themes, mm. but I felt that's what Titans Hunt was because we really didn't know what was going on up until the last issue, you know. And then there was that tease of Wally of there's a missing Titan. I never, yeah, I never, I never maybe got that tone from it. Uh, if you you know just to go with the Lovecraftian thing, yeah. Um, I I I don't know. I I want to see what they do with it. Like I feel like it's my only place to get like all of these characters, like all of them. Dick. Yeah. Like every like obviously Wally's the big one because we we love Wally West, but it's the only place I get yeah. Donna, and I like Donna. It's the only place I get. Uh, I mean, Roy sometimes shows up in uh, yeah. Green Arrow, but not always. It's the only yeah. place I get Omen. Like it's nice to see these characters, and I enjoy coming back for that. Uh, yeah. but it is kind of like in this uh, pattern of kind of being like oh it's it's good but it's never great uh, it really you know breaks the top five and that's okay not everything has to be great oh, and I, just, kind of I just feel like the storyline like I feel like Adam didn't know what the actual story was but he was just writing character moments hmm. so like so like uh, the bee uh, what's her name uh, Bumblebee Bumblebee uh I feel like her memory things was it felt like it was such a bigger deal, and then here they just pay it off with. Oh no! Here you go. Here's yeah, right she here. gets them back immediately to kind of distract her, which. Yeah, yeah I was just like, well, so I just, I don't feel like this is what he was writing to. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, there's a change be. coming, and this is just that, or if this was the story from the. I just feel very kind of disappointed at the lack of payoff or even setup. Yeah. You know? It could, but still, the character moments are there, though, like you said, with how each of them react, and even young Wally seeing dead older Wally, you know? Like, that that was a, a big moment, so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to know. integration. Obviously, there's, there were some rumours about how next year they might you know, merge the two titles, and that that could be an interesting thing, maybe, depending. If you, you know, you've got this mentoring team with the younger team, I don't know. Uh, I, know, I, I liked it when Johns did it, where you had half of the old New Teen Titans, and then you had the half of Young Justice together. Like that's my Titans team, you know. Yeah. None I of those, outside of a couple of them, none of those characters are really around and interacting anymore. So I don't know. Here's 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 what I, if you only merge them, I'd make a double shipping. So you still have the two yeah. books, right? But merge them, um, and you know, what will what will we keep? You know, either Percy or Abnett's <laughs> another question, but yeah. um, but you know. Because you have so many characters, make it a double shipping book and make your one big Teen Titans book to sort of do that. Because I, f- I feel like I like both books. Uh, I probably like Teen Titans a little bit more. It's just yeah, a, I like Teen a lot more. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit more consistent. But, um, but no, so this is okay. Like, this, this is fine. Uh, we'll, we'll check back in it next month and we'll, we'll see uh, how it's going. Um, but no. Obviously, I'm not actually worried about Wally actually being dead. I, so I, oh, I, me neither. I don't even think it's worth talking about. He's obviously not going to be staying dead. It's fine. Uh, yeah, we know. There's going to be some timey-wimey stuff that mm-hmm. happens. Because we know, even if we didn't know January was coming with the War of the Flashes, like, exactly. I don't feel like... <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I, I don't feel like his death was given like that proper spotlight to be like, hey, 
nah. let this sink in. And it was just kind of brushed over as a story point. So, Yeah. All right. Uh, so that will take us on to Batwoman number eight, Margaret Bennett writing and Fernando Blanco on art. So this is the second part of the current arc, which is the, the Scarecrow storyline. Scarecrow, and we find out in this issue, he is experimenting with all the... You know, we see the plague and like uh, bird flu and anthrax. and like, he's, he's, Who knew? Who knew he was a such gifted chemist? I knew he was like... The fear gas was one thing, yeah. you know? Honestly, but, my fav- I, I have two favourite things in this issue. One, that he has like a gas grenade that's made out of a human skull. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty metal. That's fantastic. Uh, and also, so the first half of the issue is like Batwoman's in like, a, in like a nightmare dream kind of thing. And there's some good stuff where like our family, you see like Colonel Kane and you see her sister and it's like the evil, like modern versions of them are like taking them away. And that was a, that was a nice image. But I loved it. It was like a giant monster bat and she actually does this thing where she jumps with a spear and spears the bat through the head. That, that page well, is not, fantastic. Not just that, we continue the story of the foxes and about how mm. that disease is going to, you have to, you know, kill the sick one so it doesn't spread to the healthy uh, ones. Yeah, and, and Sophia in the dream is like shooting everything yeah, and so, but you get the the vibe that that Kate that the foxes represent Kate and what she did to that island. Uh, what was the name of that island? Cor- Cor- I was trying, I was trying to Coriana. Coriana, yes. I can't believe I say Corto Maltese, and that's not that's a completely different DC setting. But yeah, Coriana, and you feel like that you know she brought a sickness, and that sickness was kind of you know the heroes to the smuggler island. You know what I mean? Just yeah. sense of who she is. But you see this gigantic bat monster. And it has the head of a fox, you know, more so than a bat. And uh, the story that the art told the story, even more so than, than you know, the dialogue. So, you know, it's funny, the yeah. art is quite good in these, this issue and the last issue. And it's funny because I think it's the weakest start the book's had because it started with Epting. And yeah. Then, and then we had that one issue, uh, I can't remember who it was now, but it was fantastic. Uh, the Days of Future Bats, yeah. No, no, not that one. The the one before that, the, 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 the love story one. That was on the ship, and they were, they were like holding oh, each other yeah, in their yeah. arms and all that. It was very, very artistic and beautiful. Um, but that no, is still very good, though, and it's still telling its story very well. Um, it's, it's a more simple sort of color palette, but it's working. Yep. But she wakes up from her nightmare, and she's saying like, because she ends her dream saying, "Dad, Dad," and then it's like, yep. "No, not Dad." We find out there's a prisoner in the cell next to her. It's a uh, yep. Colony Prime, so it's it's taken yeah. from Detective Comics. We're, we're pulling more stuff in from there, um, and they, they basically they say they're going to have to work together to get out of here because they've been held captive by Scarecrow and all of his men that he came with. Have all you know? That's who she was fighting in the last issue in the desert. Mm-hmm. They've all been mutated and horrible things have happened to them. So. She eventually gets out. Like Scarecrow tries to gas the room, and she gets out because there's like you know she's got like a an upgrade in her suit, uh, tuxedo as we're calling a uh, young lady Pennyworth as yep. uh, upgrade Julia. her suit, and she she bolts her way out of the room, uh, which is when this 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 skull grenade uh, gets to them, and we end in this like you know new nightmare world where Scarecrow we see Scarecrow like towering over them. It's almost mm-hmm. like if you played the uh, the Batman Arkham games. Uh, the way the scarecrow sections of them actually feel is kind of like that. That's what I wanted to ask you because I've never played those games. Yeah. But I know the look. Uh, Scarecrow's look in that game is very iconic. Mm-hmm. And this seemed to me like that's his design. Very similar. Because in those games, like yeah, you, you get infected with a toxin at one point, and mm-hmm. then you're in this like nightmare world where Scarecrow's like a hundred foot tall, and you're sneaking mm-hmm. around trying to avoid them. And it kind of feels like that at the end of this. And uh, what, what's interesting though is that both Batwoman and Colony Prime see different things. Uh, yeah. He says he sees like giant like yeah uh, like video game robots. 
and then she's like, oh, I see like slime monsters or whatever she says. But it's like they both see different things and they have to yeah. fight their own demons. So I, I think that's, I think I'm expecting some fun out of this next issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked what he had said. It was, you know, he would play this game with his son when he was back home. Mm. And, and the, you know, and so the fact like this thing that he enjoyed so much is being turned against him. And for her, it's almost like a Wonderland motif, keeping up with that dream that yeah. she had. And you know, so again, it's her family, and that's. I, I think what what these what they're seeing and what it means to them will be explored a bit more next issue yeah. as, as they're fighting their way through. We'll probably we'll probably get some narration and flashbacks to you know what each thing represents yeah. or you know what stuff like that. Like I can see that being being a thing. Uh, but no, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this mad scientist uh, scarecrow thing because he's talking to I think Fatima is the. The one yeah. who, because he's, he's, he's doing this for the many arms of death. The, the organization yeah. that, you know, Batwoman's been involved in uh, mm-hmm. since the start of the book's the one that's uh, behind this. And, you know, he talks about how all, all those those twins, I don't want them coming betraying me. Because he, he tells this story of, uh, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but uh, of this this king who got the scientist to make a, 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 a you know, a, a perfect a perfect execution. A, yeah, execution device. Uh, and but the king the, turned the around and said. Ball. Oh, you'll be the first one to test it out. So he doesn't want to be that, and he he's like, nope. no, I'm making sure I've got insurances. But no, I I love the idea of like Crane actually being like a mad like horror movie scientist in a lab somewhere yeah. and concocting all these awful things. Uh, yeah, well, and I like that that Colony Prime was doing what they set up in Detective, where they're chasing down these threats, and mm. they had heard about the needle, so they'd come looking for the needle as well. But you know, he mentions that Kate had taken out a lot of them that they'd went after, but this was the last one. So I like that they haven't, you know, they deviated from trying to take over Gotham, but they're still, you know, executing what Kane basically wanted. And that yeah. was kind of the mission of Batman. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, once again, Batwoman, I think, uh, is good. a consistently enjoyable book. Uh, it's doing its own thing. It's giving Kate something unique for her to do. Uh, and it's having some fun with Scarecrow, classic villain. Uh, and like yeah. I say, the, the dream stuff's very inventive. I'm looking forward to the next issue in this nightmare world now. Uh, you too. Now that they've been dosed with some new toxin that he's just, you know, cooked up in his lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, but no, and as we said, the art is, is pretty good, even if it does kind of pale compared to uh, what Epting was doing in the first arc. But uh, maybe mm-hmm. that's just a taste thing more than anything else. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, so that'll take us on to Super Sons number nine, Peter J. Tomasi and Jorge Jimenez. Uh no, sorry, Pierre J. Tomasi writing, and then Jorge Jimenez and Carmine D. G. Domenico on art. Which yeah, is, what a one-two punch. I, 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 I don't know, I have some complaints about this. Okay. I got whiplash when it changed artists. <laughs> I got actual whiplash, because it went from this very uh, sort of clean cartoon style, which typically the books had for, since the start, and then you turned the mm-hmm. page, and all of a sudden it was Carmine's like more sketchy kind of, you know, frantic style and I'm like I don't know this this took me out of it a bit I, I liked it I, it didn't bother me as much so. I don't know it was just it was too and then it switched back at the end like, so the start and the end is, the, uh, is Jimenez and then the, the middle chunk's all Gia Domenico and I, I don't know it was just I like I like him on Flash I don't know if he necessarily fits everyone though uh, with his style uh, yes I was I, get, I was getting the odd weird face expression and stuff like that. As I, I, was. I wasn't a big fan of the story. Um, I like I like where it started. I didn't yeah, necessarily I, like. I, I felt the where same it went. 
I liked the first two well, issues when it was like in the city and it was like you know yeah Robin being turned old. These two issues on the planet, I was actually thinking halfway through, I'm really ready for this to be over this arc. And luckily by the end of the issue it was over, so we're done with it now. So that's great. Um, yeah, I like some of the beats. So basically, the the evil guy who you know attacked him in the first two issues, he saw his like doppelganger through a portal in this world. Mm-hmm. And he tried to be evil as well because he wants to be remembered. I did like that he he turned good because John gives him a speech, kind of like his dad. And Damien even like jokes, "Oh, you sound like your father." And yeah. So you know, I, I like I like that. Some of them like fighting the clay monsters though, and uh, a lot of the build up to the ending was just kind of it was just kind of spinning its wheels for me. Um, a lot. But but the the, the the character beats, as we've said before, with this book is, are kind of flawless. I I loved the. Uh, when they get to get to the end and they've dealt with it and they've left these clay girls behind to like help help this guy yeah. like sort of build this world back up and protect. So I think we're going to come back to this world at some point once they've and we'll see how they've actually it's, saved it. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I, I liked when they, they actually did save the day that uh, Robin shouts out, "Oh, you've been saved by Robin!" and then very quietly in small text and Superboy. Yeah, and Superboy. Yeah. I also love the um, <laughs> uh, when they're back. And you don't really get to see Clark. It's kind of that Peanuts where you only see his, his torso and see mm-hmm. him talking. And he he had said about uh, something about uh, Damien's height. You know, he's like, well, from from what, you know, John's told me, you need to, to do some growing. I oh, thought yeah, that was pretty it, funny. He asked for cough, coffee and then Clark's like, yeah. oh, no, it's stunts growth. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun little bit. It's a fun little bit, and they're left behind, um, eating some eating some food. And Damien's all, "I don't do dishes." Cause Clark says, "No, you do dishes here." <laughs> yeah, because he has to he has to go off and get a train that's derailed. So so they're like, "Oh, great, yeah. we'll, we'll do dishes." Uh, no, it was fine. I, I think uh, I, I like the start of this arc, but these last two issues on the planet were a little bit more muddied. I, th- I think it was just because the setting was so different, and this issue specifically, the, the art was obviously switching between artists. Yeah. That was making it a bit harder to enjoy for me. Um, but but no. That was, yeah, it was okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next though, next month and see what we, what we get to. Uh, but there you go. No, that's... that's Nice and short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that takes us on to Aquaman, number 29. Uh, Dan Abnett writing, uh, and uh, I'll just say Cedric on art. Um, so, uh, I've been digging this. You said you were going to read this. Did you read it? I did not yet? get caught up. You caught yeah, caught up yet. I've been busy. Um, that, that is completely fine. Uh, although I still <laughs> think you, you should, because... Uh, I, I'll i get caught up. It, it's, it's been real good. Obviously, the art's still... Fin- I, I don't have to mention the art at this point. The, no. you know, the art's been... That's magic. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Now, this issue was very much continuing all the threads from the previous issue. Uh, it kind of neatly splits into like three things again. Uh, you have Aquaman with Dolphin. And they, they don't have any action this issue. This is just kind of them in the aftermath of what they did last issue. But they're sitting... And Aquaman's like, oh, you're disappointed that I'm not going to be the king that you want me to be. I'm not going to save Atlantis like you, you hoped I would. And Dolphin, of course, not being able to speak, she draws uh, Superman's logo. She, she uses her, because her powers to, like, you know, okay. manipulate the, the bell elements and stuff. Uh, she basically makes Superman's logo, and he's like, yeah, I know what that is. And then she draws Batman's logo, and she draws Wonder Woman's logo. He's like, yeah, I know them too. They're, you know, heroes on the surface, you know. And then she draws Aquaman's logo, and he's, he's like, oh, wait, so you're saying that because I'm a hero like them that I should do all this and all that thing. And he's like, yeah, but I don't want to be king. Atlantis has basically decided it doesn't want me to be king. And then she draws a little crown above Superman's logo. 
and he's like, no, Superman's not a king. He is, he's he's a hero. He saves people, but he doesn't want to rule them afterwards. And then she sort of rubs out the crown and then looks at him and sort of smiles. And he's like, okay, I get it. For someone who doesn't speak, you actually have a lot to say. Uh, so, so it's basically just, she, she's like, no, I don't want you to be king. You don't have to be king. You just have to save us from the evil king. And, you know, we, we can sort all other things out after that. But we, you just need to be a hero. So it's basically just convincing him that he's, he's going to be the Aquaman. He's, he's going to, you know, step up and try and take care of business. So that, that was kind of his whole bit in the, the book. It was a couple of great little scenes, and that's all it was, but it was it was good. Uh, and I, I think that Dolphin not being able to speak actually leads to a lot of sweet little moments with how she communicates, uh, and that's that's fun. Um, but you've still got Mira and Tempest that try to break into the into Atlantis. Uh, they're fighting some of the you know from the Silent School. Okay. And uh, the big thing here though is that from terms of plot, he basically grabs one of the pendants which will let Mira in at the end of the issue, and uh, it's a little fifty fifty because it's kind of damaged. But the main thing that actually comes out of the whole thing is that we find out why he's so against using his magic. Why he's so against using it. It's because when he was training to use it in the silent school, there was a girl that he was in love with and he basically lost control and killed her by accident. Oh, man. Uh, And it's really... And Mira even apologises for asking him to help. She's like, oh, if I knew that's what had happened, I might not have asked you. Uh, So I think that's interesting. We may explore that later. That's why he's so against using his skills because, you know, he lost control Mm -hmm. and someone died because of it, especially someone he cared about. Uh, so I think that's a cool thing. My favourite part of the issue, though, is actually the Volko and uh, Undine stuff. Because they were, if you remember last issue, I was telling you, they were going through the, the treasury and they were like dodging all the ghosts of like Atlantis past who, if mm-hmm. you know their name, they don't they leave you alone. But then they got to one whose face was all missing, so you couldn't tell who it was. Right. So the ghost was chasing them around. And then he eventually guesses like five names and he gets it in the, the right in the last one. But the ghost ends up actually being helpful. He's like, "Oh, you know, like I'm stuck. I'm stuck down here. You know, I'll I'll take you to the to what you're needing. Uh, and I know all the other ghosts. I'll I'll get them all away if you just fill me in. If you give me all the information, you know, give, give me the news. What's the gossip? You know, is that asshole? Uh, oh, damn, I forgot. Orm. Is that asshole Orm still the king? Uh, kind of thing. It was so so fun little yeah. little things like that. Uh, so he takes them down and they're there to get the uh, what looks like uh, Aquaman's trident, I think, uh, or at least a, a trident. Uh, but that's kind of that was their whole thing. But no, it was it was just fun the banter, like him asking all these questions and uh, Volko kind of like, oh hey old buddy, I've not spoken to you in so long, and uh, <laughs> it was just a fun little time. Uh, but the the biggest thing of this show is the the ending. So if you remember, uh, Aquaman was held captive briefly. By Crush, who's like the, the the kingpin of the ninth trade, you know, down the slums where they were, and mm-hmm. he basically comes to see King Wrath. He's like, no, I want to see King Wrath. I have information. And Mark, uh, you know, Mark, of course, who's been loyal to Aquaman, the the- yeah, yeah, but he actually is the one who seemingly tried to kill Aquaman at the end of the previous arc. You know, that's what put this. You know, that was the big end of that arc is that he turned on Aquaman for the new okay. king. That was a big big deal. And Crush comes to Mark and he's like, no, I've got something to tell the king. He's like, no, you have to tell me what it is before I let you through. He's like, well, Arthur, the previous king, he lives. And then there's this great panel, this great last page where Mark's like, hmm, of course he is. And then he kills Crush. Mark is in on it. Uh-huh. Mark knows he's alive and he intentionally left him alive. That's the big, nice. big ending of this this issue. Uh, so that that is it was pretty cool. It was a really good ending. It was He's like... It was just the way he sort of stared at him silently and then Crush is like, oh wait, oh crap. And then Mark 
Mark just rams his fist through his mouth, and it's pretty glorious. That's it. Uh, Good for Mark. No, no, it was a, it was it was kind of very similar to Green Arrow in a lot of ways, where it had like yeah. three or four plot threads that were all just continuing from the previous book, but it had the big ending, the big cliffhanger ending. So it's it's kind of getting to what will probably be the last one or two issues of this arc, uh, and we'll see where it goes. I'm really curious to see. What, what we do with Atlantis in terms of like who does he appoint as the new king if he doesn't want to do it himself like right. you know like where do we go with that uh, so I'm curious I, I think one of the solicits actually told us uh, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head though that's okay I'll, I'm happy to be surprised again I'm happy yeah. I forgot it's fine <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no uh, the Aquaman is still really good it's been really great since issue 25 I highly recommend checking it out if you, ha- if you haven't uh, if, if, if only for the art alone which is beautiful uh, so no, there you go. Yeah, if, if I can get caught up by the next month, then yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. That's, you've got four issues if you want to start at twenty-five. Okay. Well, actually, a five. That's yeah. the fifth. So you, you start right. arc. All right. So that takes us on to the the last sort of chunk of the show, which is picking our favorite stuff of the week. Uh, so first thing we, we always do is best panel or kind of pa- best moment, arguably, because we sometimes we'll put a sequence of panels, but. Uh, so Matt, what was your panel of the week? Oh man, so this this narrows down to two books for me, and that was Batman and Superman, and it's, I'm having a really hard time, but I think it's gonna have to be from Batman and oh, it's that Vista. Yeah, it's it's too Indiana Jones for me not to pick. <laughs> like, yeah, I was reading this book last night, and I just I got to that, and I was like, oh man, this is gonna be another one of those arcs that I really like. At least I hope. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down for it. You know, but also Superman had a lot of stuff that I really liked in there too with Lex and him. So, yeah, man. And it's definitely from Batman though. It's that cool. Vista. Yeah, I'm also conflicted. Uh, Batman being one of them and Green Lanterns being the other. Um, I think I'm going to go with with Batman. I, I, basically, it's the reaction page of the, mm-hmm. of the Robins finding out about the marriage. I think that is fantastic. Uh, it's just it's really good and also I mean all that stuff in the desert at the start was great as well admittedly but uh, that reaction page just has the emotional punch uh, yeah. it's just great uh, and you feel the shock in the room but the, the other one that I was tempted to pick was the uh, the you know got you sucker from Green Lanterns from yeah. Jessica I love that moment it's so good uh, J- Jessica's rising in the ranks of my, my character favourites I have to admit uh She's basically my favorite Green Lantern at this point. She's officially taken that mantle. Wow, look at that! So you know, tell your guy Gardner to shove it. Nope. <laughs> um, I right. love guy. I know you love guys, Matt. I know. I'm not gonna shove it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that, that pun didn't work as well as my love dick one, but um, here's my button actually for the visual people. You could, uh, I'll put it on for a, a brief second. There you go. I love dick. Grayson. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, all right. So next up, best cover of the week. Matt, what's your favorite cover? Oh man. So it's hard for me to pick on this one. I think I'm gonna give it to Green Arrow. I really like Superman, though. You know, I'm actually gonna uh, go with the same choice. I, I really like yeah. Green Arrow's cover. Yep. Green, Green it's just it's simple, and it's you know it's back. It's just it it's, really. Yeah, it's the simplicity. It's him kneeling down on a roof. Yeah. It's just, it's, just it's a great, great pose, great sort of shot. It feels more iconic. Whereas a lot of the other ones are kind of like you know mid fight and feel a bit cluttered. Yeah, and the, and the Superman one, there's a lot going on, but I think it looks really good. But yeah, it's Green Arrow. Yeah, I agree, Green Arrow. 
Alright, so best art of the week. And this is always a tough one in week three. Always a tough one. Not for three. me. I got mine. I'll go on then. Oh, Joel Jones for Batman. Okay. Uh, I can't argue with you, but like we have Cedric, we have Joel Jones, yeah. uh, Jamal Campbell and Green Arrow was fantastic. I, I really like Green Lantern's art. Uh, you know, week three is always busy with great artists. Now, admittedly, Mm, oh, it's tough. I want to give it to Jones. I want to give it to Campbell, but you know what? I have to say no and give it to Cedric. He, he's okay. He's he's knocking it out. Like I have to give it to Aquaman. It's, it's beautiful stuff. But again, I had like three or four potential picks this week because sometimes I don't. Sometimes it looks no. It's just that one, obviously. But week three is always tough. Week three is always tough. Uh, so yeah, top five books of the week, Matt. What, what, what you got? I made me go first, so of course I made you go first. Be, yeah, I'm going first on all of them. Uh, number one's gonna be Batman. It, it's hard for it not to be. Uh, two is Green Arrow. Three is Superman. Four is Batwoman, and five is Green Lanterns. There we go. Interesting. Yeah, well, you go first every time because it's only two of us, so <laughs> it's just. Yeah, but you can we, we can back and forth. Well, yeah, but that, that means it is back and forth, though, because it means we're alternating. But when there's three of us, though, we can kind of oh, mix it around, mix it up. Uh, look at you, you're so upset you had to go first. Um, actually, I was expecting a big rant from you about uh, Darkseid and continuity today, because you were, you were no, complaining I, on Twitter before we started. I was just I was, yeah, I was expecting no, I, it. Yeah, I, I got it out. I got it out. I told okay. you I'm saving my fire for something else. All right, okay. Oh, I know you are. Yeah. Um, if Which I still have to finish, by the way, because oh, my Wi-Fi is not letting me. I feel like it knows. Well, so. for context, because you, this is very vague for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about yeah, here, Matt. Well. Uh, in fact, most people don't, because I don't think we even announced which one officially. Uh, yeah. But basically, every every uh, month, one of our movie shows, uh, 1.21 Overload, which me and Matt do monthly, is uh, our patrons get to vote, and each of us picks a movie that we love, uh, and they get to vote on which one we'll do and which one we'll discuss and watch again and given Matt's attitude and enthusiasm you can probably guess that it's not the one he likes to get picked <laughs> so uh, yeah that's coming soon if you like our movie shows uh, yeah, and, and I've, I've, it's taken me a bunch to watch it because you know I went and found it and I'm trying to watch it and uh, my Wi-Fi to, to my TV just is not letting me so I've had to watch it in chunks which I think actually helps it from my point of view, but yeah, so I'm, more time trying to watch it than actually watching it. I'm saying so. I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. Yeah. So my top five of the week. Uh, my number one is actually Green Lanterns. Uh, that goes to my right. top spot. Uh, Batman's my number two, and then <laughs> this is tough. I'll probably put. Hmm. Oh, God. I didn't really think about this. <laughs> you didn't. Right, so Green Lantern's number one, Batman at number two, um, probably Green Arrow at number three, Superman at number four. And Aquaman at number five. That's my wow. picks. That's my picks. So there you go. Uh, strong week of books. Really strong week. It's, it's, it's saying something that, you know, I picked the top five and there was probably another two or three that I could have easily mm-hmm. swapped in there. Uh, like Nightwing, uh, for example. Or, uh, aye. 
anyway, that's us. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you what's coming next week since I think Matt's uh, desperate to go and uh, eat food or something. I don't know what he does with his time. Trying to, try to find out what my dogs are barking at because I'm the only one home. So. Oh, you're concerned someone's breaking in. No, not someone's breaking in, but like if it's just someone knocking on the door or... Uh... You know, I see. That's not, you I get you. I get you. Yeah. Uh, we can only imagine what Connor's pick of the week was. It was probably Batman, but we'll we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, we'll ask him next week. Uh, so, uh, what is coming next week? So, like I said, we've got two metal books next week. We have Batman the Merciless number one, which is the Wonder Woman Dark Batman. We have the start of the next crossover, which again I think is four issues between four. Uh, essentially, three different books. I think there's two issues of Justice League uh, involved. Mm-hmm. But uh, Flash number thirty-three next week is the start of that. And then we also have yeah. Action Comics nine ninety, next part of the Oz Effect. We have Batgirl sixteen. We have Detective Comics 967, next part of Lonely Place of Living. Mm-hmm. We have Teen Titans 13, Wonder Woman 33. We have Nightwing the New Order number 3. And finally, uh, in terms of what we're definitely covering, is DC House of Horror number 1, which is a Halloween anthology book that they're doing just a one shot. Uh, but there's some fun stuff in there. There's a, One of the stories has got art by uh, Belkis Evely, so I know Matt's yeah. uh, excited about that. Uh, so I'm curious to check it out. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. Like any anthology, maybe a mixed bag. But um, you know, it's Halloween, so yeah, let's do the horror book that they're doing for one week. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, also out next week though, uh, but not being covered is Batman Beyond thirteen, Blue Beetle number fourteen, Justice League of America number seventeen, and Suicide Squad number twenty-eight. Um, the maybe book is Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number thirty-one. If Connor happens to read it, I know Matt's basically dropped out of it. So yeah, until until I hear some cool things about Guy Gardner again, I'm out. There you go. So that is what's coming next week. Uh, week four is going to be a lot more eventful next month because week four next month is when Doomsday Clock starts to hit. So that'll be big, big stuff. So yeah. that is that is us. So uh, yeah, let us know what you thought of books this week. Do that. Let us know in comments and yeah. in Twitters and whatnot. In fact, speaking of Twitter, you can get us at DC Comics Podcast. That's where you can get us. Uh, you can get us individually. I'm at Wibble89. Matt, where can people find you? At MetaSeal57. Cool. Um, otherwise, uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. Uh, there's a monthly bonus episode, uh, which me and Connor do. Uh, this month, we're doing it a little bit later. Uh, it's still to come, but we're doing Batman The Long Halloween, because obviously yeah. Halloween. Uh, it was timely, uh, which means next October is probably going to be Dark Victory, because it's a sequel, and it makes the most sense <laughs> to do it then. But uh, right. not that we plan that far in ahead, but I'm fairly confident about that. Uh, so that's the thing uh, plus you get to vote on week 5 bonus things and all that sort of stuff uh, but yeah so check that out um, and that is us so thank you once again for watching and or listening we always appreciate it we love to hear what you think of the books and so on and uh, yeah I think that, I, keep, I keep saying and uh, because I keep trying to think if there's more stuff that I'm forgetting that I'm supposed to plug and promote and do things I don't know I blame Connor yeah it's his fault that's his fault. He's not here, so he's 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 putting a disturbance in the force, or something, as it were. By the way, can I just say how how boring the title for the Han Solo movie is? <laughs> Solo. Solo. I, I compared it to. That's, uh, that's your expectations. Solo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Very good. Uh, it's a solo movie. Get it? It's a solo spinoff. Yeah. yeah. One and done. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminds me of the uh, Young Sheldon uh, uh, show. Yeah. 
for it was a placeholder but they're like hey we got nothing better well that's so. the thing right so so young they're doing a young sheldon spin-off of uh the big bang theory with you know sheldon's character and i'm thinking oh that was well, a really obvious title for that call it bazinga I, mean, I, I don't like the show but it's clearly a name a word that uh, means something to fans of that show it means something to the character mm-hmm. it's a unique title it stands out in the crowd what does cbs call it young sheldon Stupid. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, yeah. stupid. Yeah. I don't know how it takes on this because I don't watch that show anymore. <laughs> so. I don't watch that show either, but I was still, I was still yeah. pissed at this stupid naming convention. Anyway, guys, that is us. Uh, so thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and always remember never get lost in the Speed Force. Connor can't exist. I have proof. Thank you.